hello hello everyone and thank you so much for joining us today for the well project's 25th episode of a girl like me live wow can't believe we're this far can't believe that you know we've done all of this talking i'm so grateful for you our community for the well project so grateful for our host today um, we will be discussing coping with mental health around the holidays. Don't know about y'all, but for me, you know, all this time can be rough, but specifically this time here. Um, so I'm joined today by um, Heather O'Connor and Masanya Trailer for, like I said, the 25th episode of A Girl Like Me Live, which is a live interactive series where women from the community, we join and we talk about different things. Um, all related to health and HIV. So I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself. Not sure who wants to go first, but who you are, what your affiliations are, and how did you get to know the Well Project? Cool. Uh, so my name's Heather O'Connor. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am a CAB member for the Well Project. I am also the communication specialist for Ribbon and the program coordinator for the Reunion Project. And uh, the Well Project is the first thing that I found as a resource when I was diagnosed with HIV. Um, I found blogs for a girl like me and felt like I wasn't so alone in that moment um, and was able to find a lot of people that I resonated with. So the Well Project saved me in a lot of ways and I'm so thankful to be affiliated with the Well Project and to be here today with you wonderful ladies. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Masanya. Hi everybody. So my name is Masanya Trailer. I'm out of Atlanta, Georgia. I am the executive director of an organization called Lady Burgundy, where we service Black women and youth um, impacted by HIV and AIDS um, in the Southeast of the U.S. And um, also a community advisory board member for, or well, with the Well Project and a blogger. And um, I learned about the Well Project the same way um, through one of the bloggers and the community and um, a lot of the reasons why I'm able to show up in the way that I'm able to show up um, at the levels that I'm able to show up is oftentimes because of the Well Project. So I'm excited to be here to talk with you all about today's discussion. Yay. And I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with y'all. Like when I think of mental health, it shows up in, you know, different ways and different people. And I know you two are two that I look to on social media who don't shy away from this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, this is how I'm feeling today. This is what's going on. Um, I want to say happy birthday to Susan. She's let us know that she's sharing her birthday with us here today. Thank you. What an honor. <laughs> Come join a girl like me live with us. Thank you. Um, we're going to dive right into the conversation. What What is mental health? What does mental health mean to the two of you? Um, for me, mental health is finding that connection that's like mind, body, and spirit. 
um, and the you know actual condition that you are in a given moment because I think so many of us just are fueled by what needs to be done in the daily life uh, professionally you know we're checking off boxes we're getting things done we're making it to the next day but making it isn't everything making it isn't wellness you know so I really think uh, just the state of where you are, what you're thinking and how you're feeling on the inside, you know, um, that's what mental health means to me. And it's so important to check in with yourself in that way. Um, I couldn't agree with you anymore, Heather. Um, mental health for me is my everything. It is the the thing that can catapult me to whatever my next move is in life. Um, mental health is something that I wish I had learned about as a child um, that I could put into practice and articulate in words um, so that I could express those feelings that Heather just mentioned so that I can speak up for myself more and have a, a, a better way of just understanding how I can maneuver through whatever comes next because something's always going to come next, but mental health to me is everything. It, it's, there's nothing that can operate a function in my life without it. So I'll say that I've been aware of my mental health since I was early adolescence because I was experiencing things that I knew they were heavy feelings and heavy things that I needed to process, but didn't have the words. So the ways that I would begin acting out because of my mental unhealth, um, it to other people, it was called crazy, you know, so I'm crazy, crazy. So nobody wants to admit that they're going through something if you're going to be perceived as crazy. So at one point I did allow with the outside their um, opinions influence how I experienced and how I dealt with my mental health. But today, <laughs> no, no, no. I realized that a lot more of us have issues and probably should be talking about our mental health than what really is happening. So just this vulnerability, this transparency right now, I think, you know, is going to be not only helpful for me, myself, but so many other people who are watching and who may be experiencing you know, something right now. Do either of you um, deal with the seasonal uh, anxiety, depression? What does that look like? What does it show up for as you, with you? Um, I guess I'll start. So for me, seasonal depression, it was, once again, I still didn't really know much about it um, before until I got into my 30s. Like that is a actual, you know, thing. Um, seasonal depression for me starts showing up even before the season changes. So like I'll start having like, you know, the allergies and sneezing and stuff that makes me miserable within itself. Um, and then I'll start noticing like how my body is responding to like cold weather and by me being anemic, that doesn't make it any easier. Um, that means I'm not getting enough oxygen to my body, let alone to my heart. 
into my brain. So that starts bothering me. I love seeing the colors because I live down south. I love seeing like the colors of the leaves change and everything. But it's like I can also feel that change. And I feel like I'm shedding along with what's happening in the season. I notice that majority of my friends and family members, their moods begin to change. Um, and then memories of people that are no longer like with me happen to pass around this time of the year. And they were part of like the, the joy and the, the, just the, the love that I was looking forward to experiencing as a child, it feels and looks so different. And I was so unprepared for this transition as an adult. So now like seasonal depression, it starts showing up definitely around August, mid August. Um, for my friends that live like up North where it gets colder faster, it starts impacting me because their joy, you know, is coinciding with mines. So, um, that and then like I'll forget that these anniversary, these death anniversaries, <laughs> are coming up, and so from August through December, I experienced some of the like most impactful deaths in my life. So like my grandparents, all of my grandparents passed in the winter months. Like from fall, from August through December, I had grandparents to pass away. And then um, this is also around the time of the year that I received my HIV diagnosis. So I do understand like the body remembers. And so since th my body remembers it, it's like I've had all of these traumas happen to me around this time of the year. And so I got to like really like lean in and realize this is a part of my seasonal depression. Another side of seasonal depression for me is not just the weather change, but like Sometimes the season could be like a season of my life and the lifestyle that I'm living. And that is a whole nother ballgame within itself. And they're yeah. different. To yeah, totally. Uh, Miss Sonia, I totally get you with the death anniversaries. I mean, I think the season shift in itself and like the colder weather it brings upon like the death of so many things, you know, and like summer, I know I saw Lynette said something about being in the sun, like I live for the sun, like the sun just radiates so much positive energy, regardless of what's going on. If I can go outside and be in the sun, that's what I want to do. Like, I remember when I was diagnosed with HIV, I was um, outside of a Chipotle and I got my diagnosis there and I had to call my boss uh, from my brand new job that I just started and let her know I just received my diagnosis and she knew I loved the sun. And so she told me to go find a place in the sun. And so that's what I did. I found a place in the sun and I just cried. But like being in the sun helped hold me in that moment. Um, and I had a friend um, in October who died by suicide. And this was when I first started college. Um, so everything was brand new to me, new experiences, new people um, trying to settle in. And then I felt like something was just like everything shattered, you know, and just losing someone so tragically. Um, and we weren't super close or anything, but like I touched their body. I was with them. I danced with them. I shared space with them. I spoke to them the night that it happened. Um, and so no matter what, when it starts getting colder, it brings upon those feelings to me, 
for me, just how fragile life is and how you never know what's going on with someone by their exterior, because this person was a very happy person. This person was, you know, exuded energy, um, uplifted everyone around them, but um, you never know what's going on inside of yourself. Um, and I think another thing with the seasons changing and it getting colder outside, Masonia, you were talking about your body and just physically being cold. It makes your muscles hurt. It makes your bones cold, you know, and my I, I suffer from anxiety and depression as well. And when it starts getting cold, I just want to crawl under the covers and not come out. I mean, I find such a hard time finding the motivation to do things because I just want to be sleeping. I want to sleep all the time. And this is something, you know, I currently see a psychiatrist for. Um, and I recently started medication for ADHD. Um, and it's been helping a lot with the seasonal depression. And, you know, but there's so much stigma, stigma that goes along with seeking help for mental health, being on mental health medications. And then there's also the added um, anxiety of, for me personally, knowing that for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to take HIV medication. That's something that I, if I want to live, I have to take it, you know? And so the motivation to take it is there because I want to live, you know, I have two babies. I want to be there for them. Um, but then I think about other medications like my mental health medications and putting those in my body on top of the HIV medications. And it just gives me anxiety about long-term side effects and everything. But then you have to consider what what is more important, you know, your mental health right now and like living to see tomorrow and continuing to press forward and be somewhat present during these times or like the long term side effects. And it's a whole risk benefit thing that you have to weigh. Um, and I choose to try to be present, try and live in the now, try and take in the moment for what it's worth. Um, you know, and seasonal depression is a real thing. It's a real thing for so many people. And it's even harder when you don't recognize it and acknowledge that it's happening because it can be such an internal shift in yourself. All of a sudden, you don't feel like doing the things you used to do. All of a sudden, outside activities are not available to you. You're staying inside. What's your home life like? Home life like? You know, like, are you, are you happy inside your home? Are you happy inside your space? I know for me personally, when I I have to be inside my home constantly. I am anxious about the mess. You know, I have anxiety as well. And my surroundings just make me feel closed in and I'm in a bubble and like noises are louder and like the walls are closing in. And, and it's just, it's really hard. It's, and also having kids and trying to entertain them inside, you know, finding things that they're going to do that they want to do. That's going to make them happy. Um, and not, completely destroy your house, which is going to exacerbate your anxiety at the same time, you know, because during the summertime, you can go outside and run. Uh, you don't have that available to you when it's cold outside. Um, along with, you know, the holiday season, you know, that's what this podcast is about. I think so many people have this expectation of what a holiday should be like, and what that should entail. And so, um, for me personally, I feel like if I don't meet those expectations, I'm falling short. Um, 
And then it just becomes this resonating like spiral of negativity. Uh, these moments aren't what they're supposed to be. And so something's wrong. Um, and it's so hard to not like just revel in that and find a way out of it. So it's, it's a really real thing. But then it'll be the new years and everything will be all right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's the heart um, thing that I have a, the thing that I have a hard time processing sometimes is that, you know, it's just three of us on this call right now, but you know that so many others are dealing with it, but yet we just keep going with the motions, so showing up for another meeting, another event, another conference, another this, and we could all be, you know, going through something at the same time, but not taking time to sit back and acknowledge what it looks like in your own life, I think is a detriment. I want to go back real quick because this goes back to a point I made previously about, you know, experiencing something, but not quite having the words to put on it. I know that I go through stuff when it starts getting cold outside, when I see the leaves start dying, part of me starts to die. Like it just, and I never had the words. So I looked it up while we were on and it's seasonal affective disorder um, said, and that's not nothing that we could just diagnose ourselves with getting into a provider, getting in, speaking to someone because they may be able to, they will be able to provide so much more insight and put names on maybe the things that we are experiencing when we are alone. Um, so many great comments keep coming up. I saw a comment about just wanting to sleep all day. That was in response to what you said, Heather. I'm going to sleep like when the sun goes down at five o'clock where I am, who wants like the day is over when the sun goes away, right? No, um, I'm going to read it. I want to be sleepy. I felt that deeply. I net more when I'm dealing with depression. I don't want an energy boost, probably because I have to face all that crap when I'm awake. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Krista, she talks about how many women have a hard time reaching out for help since we're so busy taking care of others. But it's also important for us to remind each other that it's okay to ask for it. Are y'all okay with asking for help? Like, is that something, is that a skill of yours? A skill? Asking for help is a skill? It's gotta be because I didn't catch on till late. Wait, so that's something you can learn and practice to do? Yes, I think so. I need to add that to my resume. <laughs> yes. No, really. I was just thinking about like um, people who live in areas like California where the season, it depends on what part of California, but like, you know, Southern Cali, where it's still warm and stuff, they they, they still experience depression as well. Um, and then I'm thinking about like people who are in different parts of the world where the sun is sunny, you know, but then like when we, you know, you look up the research behind that, they tend to be happier individuals. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up. Not saying that they don't experience depression, but that isolation piece is still probably there at times. And especially if their loved ones are in, you know, areas like ourselves where we start to like be reclusive and not reach out. So not only are we not able to help somebody else, they're not able to help us in return. Um, I kind of feel like now that you mention it, like I, I've developed a little bit of asking for help like I'm an only child so I'm used to like my automatic is to do it by myself because I'm always in my head always in my own space but not just only professionally but like even personally there are things about like what I experienced with depression that 
I kind of been conditioned to like, I'll just figure it out. I'll figure it out on my own because nobody else can really help me with what I'm dealing with because I've never heard anybody else be vulnerable or transparent enough to talk about that issue or that feeling, that expression. So for me, like to take a moment and be like, I don't know, like telling somebody I'm depressed. I make light of it. I'll joke about it. Like, and I'll say things that people will be like, that's, that's not right. Don't speak that over your life. Like I'll get that pushback. And it's like, no, hear me out. No, I'm, I'm always depressed and I'm managing it. It has not gone away. I've just learned different ways to manage it. And some days are really, 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 really bad. And what I've noticed for myself as a, as a woman, you know, when I have my, my menstrual cycles and I, I go all the way downhill and during the winter months, it's even worse. I think I kind of mentioned that before. So now that I, I can at least articulate to like a friend or my mental health therapist or my mom, like I can say, or even the men that are come around. Cause I need you to know, like, don't come at me left or sideways. I need you to understand. Like, I feel like I'm going downhill into my coworkers too. And I know everybody not that transparent, don't have that type, that level of safety, but like, that's the space I'm in. Hey, I'm, I feel, I feel sad and I don't know why I feel like crying. I can't pinpoint why. And then I have a friend recently was like, my son, is your cycle coming? And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe that's why I feel like that. Okay. So I won't beat myself up even more for all the things that's going on, all the things I'm forgetting to do. The work stuff is getting overwhelming. Everything just feel like it's kind of compiling on me and I'm shrinking. But what it is, is that, oh, my hormones are kind of off. Oh, I didn't eat enough. Or my insomnia is out of whack because my cycle is coming. But then, you know, through that, I have, um, I'm managing fibroids along with just, um, having a heart condition on top of that with aging. So like now I'm getting like all of these thoughts in my head that I'm blaming myself. Like my body is failing me. Um, I shouldn't be in pain and all this stuff. And it's like, actually, let's just try to redirect that some and let's schedule a therapy appointment <laughs> and let's just kind of talk to your friends a little bit. Um, or the people that I can trust enough to be vulnerable with and just say like, yeah, today's not the day. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling good. I'm tired. And I, I barely, I barely can breathe, you know, cause that's the level of energy that I have, you know, just from the fact that you just said breathe. Can we all just take a deep breath? I feel like it's like, can you do that? Uh, we're gonna do a one, two, three, four count. Like inhale, exhale. Come on. All right, yeah. So we're gonna I inhale. Just, I just think I did four, three. Okay, come on. Wait, in your nose. <laughs> Not your mouth. Something like that, but something like that even recenters me sometimes when I'm going through. Like, oh yeah, because Susan just reminded me of that. Like, just being, you know, being able to sit with those breaths. Like, okay, everything, it's okay. Like, it might not really be okay, but I'm still breathing. I still can do this. I got this. Um, I want to say, Tashia. Tasha, I'm sorry. I have depression and anxiety. I just learned to manage it and don't and don't control how I'm supposed to be or trying to force in what others think it's supposed to be. I just exercise my thoughts 
feelings, addictions, and other habits and learn to just feel. And it's okay to feel and it will get better eventually. I practice DBT skills, still learning myself. I'm not sure what or what is that? I'm not sure what DBT is, but I actually manage it by what I eat, how I think, exercise helps too. Asking for help is one of them. I'm also doing it staying sober. Awesome job. It's a skill. Yes, absolutely. I love all of those, um, you know, different coping strategies that were just brought up, you know, exercising, eating right. Um, music can help me so often writing stuff down because I realize my head be feeling like this sometimes like that's how I explained it to the therapist everything is like this and just getting everything out of there onto a piece of paper dumping some of my lists don't even make sense but just dumping just gets it out of there and I'm like okay whew, now I actually have something I can work with because it's sitting in my head doing all that crazy stuff isn't doing me any good um, what other coping skills, coping strategies do you all use to, you know, get over these humps? Um, I would definitely say breathing is a huge one, like the breath that we just took sometimes like brings awareness to the moment. And I have the same feelings. You see, like there's thoughts just bouncing on the inside of my head and it's like I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm like, the sink is dirty what about the mirror? The mirror's dirty too. I need to clean the toilet. What are my kids doing? I just heard them scream. I need to brush my teeth. I forgot to brush my teeth. Like, you know, like so many different things. And I'm like, whoa, chill out. Like just chill for a moment and just breathe, you know? Um, uh, DBT, I don't remember exactly what that means, but I know it means it's like the practice of DBT is redirecting your thoughts. So like, you know, having a negative thought about something, um, like I, you know, made a mistake at work, you know, and then the, the progression of thoughts is like, everyone hates me, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to lose my job, you know, and so then it's going to the top and then realizing that, like, I made a mistake at work. And then maybe it means like you're human. And maybe someone else can see that in you and like know that you're human. And you can learn from the experience and become a better professional, you know, develop your skills in a better way. So that sort of like thought redirection um, has been helpful for me. Um, I also like am a huge advocate of mental health medication. If you need it, if it's something that helps you, then damn it, take it. Um, Susan, I saw that you mentioned that you're extremely energetic and people don't know about your bipolar diagnosis. Um, I'm also diagnosed with bipolar disorder on top of ADHD and generalized anxiety disorder. So I have a lot of different things going on with the way my brain works. Um, I mean, little things can happen that just completely shift my mood. Like, you know, if I am walking up the stairs and I say love you to my husband and he doesn't say it back. I'm like, he hates me. Like our marriage is over. It's, he's going to divorce me, you know, and I just spiral, you know, and it completely like sends me into this reclusive state where I don't want to talk to anyone. And I mean, it's a silly thing. It's really a, like, he didn't hear me, you know, he was in the moment he was doing what he was doing. Right. So like, uh I get that more now and I'm able to like recognize it, but I can't help the shift in my emotions and like the way I'm feeling inside. I'm really super hard on myself with everything in life. I 
think the worst of myself. It's awful. It's something that I'm like continuously working on in therapy. Um, but it's just so hard not to like take the output from the world and just put it in this like negative place, like inside myself where it's just, you know, because then that becomes like such an active part of you. You're so used to the behavior of thinking the worst of thinking you're the worst, that it's so easy to go back to that when something happens in life. And then it prevents you from being able to be the best person you can be or live in the moment and like really acknowledge, you know, instead of thinking like, am I feeding my kid the right foods? Like I'm feeding my kids mac and cheese tonight. You know what I mean? But it's like, are you a bad parent because you're feeding your kid mac and cheese? Are you feeding your kids mac and cheese because you have been working all day? You're extremely tired. You haven't gone to the grocery store and mac and cheese is something that you know they're going to eat and put in their body, you know? Um, and so that's helpful for me. That's what I've been trying to do. Um, you know, and, you know, staying adherent to my mental health medications, um, you know, trying not to drink too much, you know, for me, a glass of wine at the end of the night, or, you know, you know, a little bit of bourbon calms me right down, you know, and, and helps me feel so much better. But I know that that's not good for my body to do every day. Um, and so I try to find other ways to practice self-care um, that is more effective in the long run. Um, so it's a, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of being in the moment, redirecting of thoughts, um, reaching out when you feel like you can, because sometimes you just don't feel like you can. I mean, sometimes sending a text message to a friend feels like you're running five miles um, and it's just not accessible to you. But sometimes when I'm feeling really good and I'm in a spot where I feel like I can talk about my feelings, then reaching out to a friend and actually having conversations with them is helpful for me. Um, and just knowing that from moment to moment, things change and it's not always going to be the same you, you know, don't have to always just roll with it. You can be honest. You know, if I'm having a bad day at work, then, you know, tr trying my best to, you know, acknowledge that and bring that to my bosses and let them know, like, hey, today's like, today I fought to get out of bed. Like today I'm really glad that I even woke up and like opened my eyes and got my kids dressed and sent them to school. Like that was, that was what I did today. And so if I'm not, you know, as quick on things or if it takes me a little longer to do things, then that's why that's what I'm dealing with. But you know, the reality of it is we all want to get paid. You're working hourly. You want to make those hours. You want to make sure that you're getting everything you can because you don't make the money. That's just going to add to your anxiety and your depression because now you're falling behind in life and it's just this big cycle and so then we press ourselves forward and we overexert ourselves and you know it just becomes this huge cycle so it's it's so tough it's so tough to practice self-care but it's it's important some days i actually, i have to fight for it this morning here is like doing this this rain sleep cold thing and like having to take the kids out to get them to where they're supposed to be so hard to just not want to come back and go straight to sleep like i don't even want to face this open wake me up when the sun is shining and it's warm again or take me somewhere and then you know the reminder that while i'm not living in poverty 
now. Like I'm not too far removed from it and I can't just get up and, you know, money would solve some of this. Then I would be able to just go move or go stay somewhere where, you know, that I know would do better for my mental health. So then I'm reminded that I'm poor. I'm reminded that, you know, I don't have access to the resources that some other people have access to that could make my situation better. Like, it's just this. Uh, uh, um, I was just reminded from the two of you that like that I'll talk about experiencing depression, but I don't really I don't delve into it. Like hearing you both speak is like bringing me to tears. So I, I'm thinking about like just even just two days ago, like I get on camera, I talk to my friends and they're like, my son, you look horrible. And I'm like, I look horrible. I feel horrible. Like it shows, it shows in my skin. I look pale. I don't, when I don't feel well, I'm not able to fake it. I'm like, I still am tired in this moment and I'm not at my optimal, right? However, I was just thinking about like those coping skills and the moments where I felt empty. And it wasn't just because of the weather. It wasn't just because of the season. It was that quality of life that I was working so hard for. So working in the pharmacy, you know, I'm already dealing with dispensing a lot of um, antidepressant medications for people. And at the time I didn't believe in taking antidepressants either. Like, why do you need medicine for, um, for your mental health? And all you gotta do is eat right. All you gotta do is exercise. Cause I looked it up and it says that you can excrete more like dopamine in your body and then you'll be fine. But it's like, not everyone has the discipline for that. Not everybody has the capacity for it. And that was definitely me and, you know, my youth and my ignorance is like, like not really understanding other people, but then also not realizing or knowing what other people are going through. Right. But there was a time where I felt so empty and I withdrew from everyone. Like, no friends, didn't trust people. Just, this is me going to figure it out. I'm just going to figure it out. I'm not messing with nobody. I'm not talking to my mom about it because nobody's going to understand, especially the isolation I was experiencing with my HIV diagnosis. Like, how did I get here? Why am I here? So I just started like really like um, dissecting myself a lot. And that low point of emptiness, nobody could pull me out of that. Like I could laugh that same day a couple of times, have a good time and still revert back to this hollow place inside of me that just don't want to be here, don't want to get through it. Not thinking of the word suicide itself, but the act of just, I don't want to be here. So I've had that experience and I don't really talk about it. And I've, I've also had the experience of attending a funeral for someone that, um, more than one person that has committed suicide. I get phone calls from my friends and our loved ones that, Masanya, I'm at a low point and I've been contemplating suicide. And it's not that I'm like talking them out of it. It's just letting them get through it until they make the decision on what their next step is because it's something that I realize I, I have no control over. But I might get two or three of those calls in one week and nobody knows that like that's what I went through. Right. Um, but when I was by myself, my coping skills were reading and looking for words. It was something about words that really 
helped me. And then like certain foods, simple things that brought me back to my childhood happiness. Like I, I revert to like watching cartoons really quickly now. Like I'm having a, I want, I might, I need a drink, but for right now, I just need to watch some cartoons. I need some mindless activity going on. I need cartoons with no music, no sound sometimes. Sometimes I need all the above, right? Then um, books around like um, self-help books, reading about someone else's story, listening to someone else's story. Um, YouTube with like the motivational speaking. When I had the heart attack, I literally barely could get out of bed and brush my teeth. I can't open up a can of green beans or even hold a can of green beans. So if the kids weren't at home to help me, I would just be stuck. Like I couldn't get back up the stairs without help because I couldn't breathe. Like I just didn't have the, the oxygen or anything to do it. And when I was stuck in those moments, I would use um, some podcasts. I would use... Um, Les Brown, a motivational speaker. I needed someone who had like a really calm tone voice that I could listen to and hear. Um, sometimes Steve Harvey would come up in that and I would just do playlists of motivational words. Um, one of the other coping skills or strategies I've applied to my own life because I started realizing that life is life is going to life. Life be life and is my little saying. And because things are going to happen. Like it's not going to always be, you know, um, that joy and happiness that we work so hard to, to enjoy that blissful moment. You got to work for that moment again and again and again, right. And create it. So I went to, um, get a background check for working at a new pharmacy and it just so happened to be at some mental health counseling place. And I wasn't believing in therapy at the time. I ain't talking to nobody for what that's my business. It's me and Jesus and God, we got it. Nobody else need to be in my business. When I walked in there, they had all these quotes on the wall, like the one behind me that said, decide, commit, succeed. It had all of these quotes on the wall and they were like quotes that was like speaking to my situation at the time. So I now have in my home a quotes wall where if I get in that mode, I'm going to read something that's going to remind me, yo, it's just another moment because a day can be way too much for me. And I've experienced that so many times where people tell me, oh, take it day by day, baby. And I'll be like, do you know how much I went through in a whole day? Like you can't, and it'd be like back to back to back to back for weeks or months or months or months in like never, I went through something this morning. I'm like, okay, just the next 10 minutes, let's move on to the next thing. We'll come back to this maybe later today, maybe next week. It just depends on how I'm feeling. So now I'll use those quotes to like leverage my mental. So there's, um, during COVID, I was experiencing some really deep depression and we still managing COVID now. What I did was I got this app. It was like a motivational quotes app and it was sending me quotes every five minutes to every 20 minutes to every hour. And those quotes, I was like affirming myself. It was like, I am this. I, yes, I am. Yes. Give me some more. Another one come up in an hour. Yes. And within like a couple of weeks, I was good. So then what happens when none of these coping strategies work? Because you could send me whatever you want to. You can make me breathe as much as you want. Sometimes it's just so hard to pour. Rachel YouTube is my thing. I love Rachel YouTube. That's what, you know, grounds me. 
And sometimes like even that things that I used to, it sound, I sound like a question on one of them question years, things that I used to once enjoy, I'm no longer enjoying. And how do you pull yourself out of it? Rose um, put into the comments a little earlier, she was talking about like how she has been dealing with her mental health for a long time. I believe she said she was like 60, so I hope I don't get it wrong. Um, but now this conversation doesn't seem so taboo today and how like a lot of the responses she would get would be direct goals. I've been struggling with anxiety and depression my whole life and I'm 62. The type of open, honest discussion is a, a wonderful thing, a great change from the stigma that I grew up with. We were never allowed to show any mental illness. And of course, we were told to pray it away and that didn't work. So we were told that we were we just didn't have enough faith. I think a little faith and a little well-butchering works wonders. I loved it. I loved it. Um, because as Heather is talking, and I'm so grateful that you are so honest and I'm thankful for that peace, you know, and seeking the medication. Because even within myself, I can like there's still that's the next step. Like it just seems like like yeah. therapy, cool, but medication. <laughs> Do you know how many times I had a prescription for medicine and I never got it filled because I would go and say, um, I think I'm at a point where I, I need this medicine. Like I, 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 I need it. And they're like, you sure? I'm not? Yes, I need it. Send me to a psych. I need you to write this prescription. I get the prescription. Maybe like a week or so goes by and I'm feeling a little better. Okay. I think I got it. I got it. I got it. And then I, I go back and get another prescription so, but at least I know that I can reach out for it if I feel that I need it and that when I'm ready to use it, I can actually use it. I made them prescribe me some when I was pregnant. I was going through it. That was so hard and I didn't have, you know, other outlets that I would have had if I wasn't pregnant. Um, and I just needed them to... <laughs> Yo, somebody acknowledges, let me talk to somebody. I need something. And I did get a prescription that I never felt. But just knowing that it was there was so helpful. This conversation is going so well and it's going so quickly. Um, I want to move on to some of the community advisory boards input. And um, I'm going to start with a comment first from Michelle. I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit. She said she wanted to know, you know, how mental health shows up for different people. Mental health can show up as feeling fatigued, no motivation to get out of bed, crying, etc. But we tend to resolve these things to like, oh, it's just my day time of the month or, oh, it's just such and such. Like, why y'all think we do these? Because you're always told that you're going to be okay. You got to keep going. That, like you like there's no uh, there's no there's no moment for rest you 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 everything is supposed to be hard in life so you're just supposed to get up and keep going no matter what without a pause or a reset button like it's just I feel like it's just been an ongoing culture of dismissing the fact of what a person is expressing that they're experiencing and it's been across so many cultures Overall, and this generation has decided no more. We're going to talk about it. 
and we're gonna we're gonna decide how we're gonna lean in and pull through it because we understand that this is not something that's uncommon. This is not taboo. This is a real happening, and it's not just a racial thing. It's not. It's a human condition that we're all experiencing in some form of fashion, depending on how we grew up, where we grew up, um, how we perceive life, you know, all of that stuff. So I think it's fair to be like, this generation has just decided that no more, like what y'all was doing back then ain't working. It ain't really worked for y'all back then. Suicide was happening. Then we had technology the way we do now to like really record it. The way that we look at religion and talk about it is different too. So now we're really like leaning in like, nah, let's, let's deal with this um differently as best possible. And we're figuring it out and, now we having what uh, therapists in high demand and not enough therapists available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that another thing to bring up that's so important is like how accessible is mental health help? How accessible is getting a therapist, making an appointment with a therapist that's not like four months out because four months from now, I'm not going to feel the same way I feel in this moment. And when I'm sitting here on the couch and I'm about to lose my shit and just like, can't go on with life anymore. That's when I need help. That's when I need to be able to talk to someone. That's when I need to be able to, you know, um, speak about how I'm feeling because I'm not going to remember that feeling four months from now. I can remember like maybe a little bit about what was going on and like where I was in that moment, but you don't truly feel you don't go back to that place, you know, when you, and and that's how I feel like with therapy now, like I get into my appointments with my, my therapist, I do telemed appointments and I like start talking and I'm talking about like what happened this week, what happened a few days ago and everything. And I then, you know, I'll bring up something that's like about my family or something or my childhood or something like that. And then my therapist one day was just like, when are you going to talk about your childhood? Like, when are we going to talk about the trauma that you've been through? And I don't want to talk about that shit because I feel like when I talk about that, it brings me into the space where I was when I was experiencing it and I feel it again. And I don't know how to get past that, you know, and I'm so afraid of like going into a therapy appointment and leaving feeling feeling worse than I was when I got there. You know, that's not what I'm looking for. And so creating safe spaces for people to be able to re-explore the moments that they've been through or the trauma that they've been through in their life is so important. But I just think that, you know, you have to try with different therapists. Not every therapist is the right match for you. Um, You know, I'm not going to go see a man therapist. I'm just not like he just doesn't get it. You know, you as black women, like you probably don't want to go see a white girl, you know, because they don't really get it either. You know, and as much as they're going to say, like, you know, I, I make space for you to have feelings that you're feeling, you know, they can't relate to you on that level. Um, And so it can be really discouraging seeking help trying to find a therapist. It can be really discouraging uh, trying medication because the medication doesn't always work. And so if you go on a medication and you're thinking like, cool, like I'm going to get it. I'm going to feel better. Like take this pill. It's going to help me. And and then it doesn't. And then it makes you feel worse. You have side effects. Uh, You have to have the courage and like the strength and the, you know, persistence to be able to go forward and say what next, you know, 
what do we do next? And so, Masonia, I think it's so important that you say that society is changing and this conversation is being had more, which is so important because if you're having to deal with stigma, aside from all the other things that it takes to manage your mental health, then you're not going to do it and you're going to sink, you know, and you don't, you don't want to sink. I want to say, I don't think that either one of you are crazy. I know I'm not crazy. Okay. I just want to say that open. And we only got like 12 minutes left when this joint. Um, it took me 41 phone calls before I was able to get a therapy appointment. 41 phone calls, about 38 voicemails. And I've only gotten back three return calls. I ended that day with a an appointment that was set for May 1st, 2023. And that was like sweet. Um, I'm sorry, Masanya, real quick, you want to jump in? Okay. I only had um one thing to mention. Well, two things. So I'm on my 12th therapist in um in a total of nine years. Um, this has been the most consistent therapist I've had, and my therapist committed himself to me. Um, there was a transition that happened. Um, mainly we, we started because of the heart attack and I noticed that I was experiencing the same exact feelings around grief that I experienced with, and the mental thoughts that I was experiencing when I got, um, when I found out I had HIV, um, I was extremely in a low place and I felt like it was worse than HIV. So I knew and was encouraged to get in therapy. So that was one thing. The other thing um, I wanted to mention is that the people that I enjoy um, utilizing as a part of my coping skills are those individuals who happen to have experienced therapy as well. The people who are in therapy are the ones that I gravitate to more because there's something about how they learn not to be as biased or judgmental or um, reactive that they put into practice that therapists learn professionally. Um, I think that when one person decides to commit to getting help, we end up kind of, you know, being reciprocal of that. And so I really appreciate people who choose to go to therapy, even if they don't think they or feel like they need it for themselves. Um, It's something that ends up helping others like myself who sometimes may not be in therapy, but I've been really blessed and fortunate these last three years um, without health insurance um, because my health insurance wouldn't cover it, that my therapist decided to commit to me. And in exchange for that, I'm able to help other people and um, heal and get better for myself, including with my family members and friends. So I just wanted to mention that. That's beautiful. And it just, it seems like such a privilege, you know, sitting from a space over here to be able to have access to that. Um, I wanted to jump into Katie's comment, but let's read Grizel's first. Becoming a parent is what motivated me to finally to finally brace myself and go to therapy. Used to run away from it, but now I really want to do that inner child work so I don't project my stuff onto my child. Absolutely. You know, and even before I had kids projecting it onto other people that I'm just engaging with every day. Like I oh uh, and my kids, I just want them to be so like mentally aware and like emotionally cognizant and all of those things. So therapy has definitely helped me there. 
um, Katie's comment, she's talking about the 988 new suicide hotline. And she talks about how this is probably one of the busiest seasons for them. What do you do when you don't have family is her her um, question. You create it. I had my first child at 16. And I, even though I had my mom, there was still, there was such a strain there because of her own depression and disappointment as a single parent. But over time, of course, vetting people, you got to have a vetting process and some boundaries um, established. But I learned the, the phrase chosen family in my HIV community. And I started practicing creating my support circle. So people will say to me, but son, you have support. And I'm like, it wasn't always like this. It, it was not all. I had one or two people sometimes, but not consistently where my abandonment issues did not flare up all the time, especially as an only child and somebody saying they're going to do something and don't do it. That right there was an issue for me. But creating a chosen family would be what that looks like. There are so many people um, that are willing, able, have the capacity to love on you and need you. They need you so that they can feel needed. They want to love on you so they can feel that love. They have it to give, but you have to definitely create that chosen family for support. And even still with the family that I have, they don't know how to respond to all my mess. They, honey, that's your stuff. You, you know, life is hard. Figure it out and move on, baby. That's all I got for you. There are so many people out here that just don't have the capacity to give you what you need, and that's also why, like therapists, play an important role because they're getting paid to have the capacity. And even when they don't, you can move on to somebody else that you can pay to have the capacity. Absolutely. I want to um, tell everybody about uh, the evaluation before they jump off or nearing the end. Um, please, if you could please take a moment to fill out the evaluation here. Um, post it on the screen and it's also in the comment section. It'll help us continue to make sure that we're providing programming that, you know, is what the community needs and wants. So if you don't tell us, we don't really know. So please just take a moment to um, fill it out. Heather, did you want a moment to respond to what you do if you don't have family? Yeah, totally. I just wanted to say, like, totally agree with you, Miss Sonia. You choose your family. I tell you, uh, I've never felt uh, more genuinely held in my life than I felt standing in, in a room uh, with other people who were also living with HIV. Um, it's like this unspoken understanding between those people and um I, you know, remember the first time it was uh, an exercise where we were uh, folding the AIDS quilt and we were able to say a person that we lost in the last year and I lost someone very close to me. Um, and I just felt like there was space for me to just cry and just fall apart. And people I didn't know came up to me, hugged me, held me and made me feel so loved. Uh, but I just want to say on the flip side, just because someone has your blood in them, just because someone's blood, it doesn't make them family. So don't feel obligated. Like you need to make space for people who are not making space for you to be yourself. If you're not supported, then don't be in that space with them. You know, don't make room for them to bring you down to make you feel like you need to be anything other than what you already are. So I think that's important. 
Thank you. So do I. Thank you all so much for such a great conversation. Um, the last input that we had from our cab was from our cab co-chair, one of them, Portia. And Portia says um, she 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 would like to hear discuss is how a lot of the time is the folks that are in your life that are directly in our time with you that you sort of end up with these codependent relationships with. Heather, you just started talking a little bit about like cutting them off. Um, I, like, is that easy? Are you able to do it? Does it affect your mental health around the holidays? Like, I think all of that is tied. Because if I cut an auntie or uncle off, you know, then in the whole culture of the family was everybody gets together for this holiday. How do I then cope with that, you know, the fact that I have drawn this boundary and that I have to respect it during this time. Yeah, that's extremely hard. And I also feel like a lot of my healing with my HIV diagnosis is because I've, I'm able to share about that. But a lot of my family trauma and my upbringing, I feel like I'm unable to share because they're all alive. And because I have to like you said, be around them on the holidays. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard to create those boundaries. It's hard having your kids around those people. Um, and I don't know if I have the answer to that. I don't think I figured it out, Cece. I think it's just extremely hard. And I, I don't know. I don't have answers for you. Um, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Like, that's why we'll continue to have these conversations. Um, Masanya? Um, <laughs> I think acceptance is a huge piece. I have a friend that deals with um, family members that are challenged. I have a lot of friends that have family members that, that are challenged. And I think that like figuring out what your own limits are and how you're willing to navigate those limits is what can help you along the way. Um, but that chosen family part, like if you want to limit yourself and your time and capacity with these individuals that you love, but you know, don't necessarily want to continue to be with, then you, you give yourself an allotted amount of time. I met my peak. I'm out. <laughs> I said my highs, I gave my love, I gave my hugs. And now it was good to see y'all. I took a picture. Come on, y'all take this picture for the memory and I'm out. Um, I'm not the best when it comes to that. I completely will shut down and shut people out as if they never existed um, to protect my peace because I know what my limits are. So that that's all that I have. I loved it. And definitely like learning those boundaries. That was a word I learned since I was an adult. Those boundaries. Like I don't mess with you like A, B, and C, but I can mess with you like L. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right y'all this has been such a great conversation like i feel better i feel like i want to cry just to release like it wouldn't be a sad cry but i just feel a little lighter um and i'm so thankful for y'all thank you everyone who came who participated in the comments y'all make this what it is yay episode 25 of a girl like me live we've been rocking out um Thank y'all. What a great way to end this year. This year's 
programming of a girl like me live happy holidays to everyone join us again in 2023 some great stuff that is being scheduled to be put out there and all right y'all make sure y'all fill out the evaluation and we'll see you next year